This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. There have been so many unexpected developments in sports this year uh, due to the pandemic, but one of the more startling developments has been the acceleration of proposed dramatic changes within the NCAA, and it's not something that I think has been well publicized. If your son or daughter is an aspiring athlete who wants to play in college, you should know that the traditional ways of the NCAA are going to change and most likely change rapidly. In short, the College Athlete Bill of Rights, that's what it's called, was introduced into Congress by Senator Cory Cory Booker of New Jersey and Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut. And this basically would propose sweeping changes for college sports, including, and this is just the, the, the tip of the iceberg, provisions that would force some colleges to share revenue with some of its athletes, to guarantee lifetime scholarships to athletes in good academic standing. In other words, no more year-to-year athletic scholarships. Set up a fund to cover some out-of-pocket medical expenses for current and former athletes, which goes beyond their years in college. Allow college athletes to hire agents. Athletes could profit from their own endorsement deals. College athletes can transfer from one college to another without having a city year, and on and on. And there's a good chance that these landmark changes will be passed into law sometime in the new year. Now, all of these new rules would be enforced by a uh, so-called Commission on College Athletics, which would be run by nine board members who are appointed by the president, they would hire a staff to, to, to resolve disputes, uh, to suggest changes to rules, and to investigate wrongdoing with the power to subpoena witnesses. This group, this Commission on College Athletics, would receive $50 million in taxpayer money for its first two years of existence and would take on basically the, the job of policing college sports. In other words, it all sounds like the NCAA is sort of giving up its current position. In any event, this, by the way, this, this, this commission on college athletics, you know, it sort of sounds like the concept of a commissioner of youth sports, something, of course, we've discussed many times on the Sports Edge. Uh, in any event, I, there's a lot of ground to cover here, and I want to discuss the key points I just mentioned this morning with ESPN's Noah Savage, 
who's been doing color commentary on college basketball games for the last several years on ESPN. And Noah was an all-Ivy all Ivy League, six foot seven sharpshooter at Princeton University. He's also well versed when it comes to the rights of college players. And I should also point out, in a matter of full disclosure, that Noah happens to be my son in law. Well, Noah, welcome back to the Sports Edge. Hey, Ray, good morning. How are you? Thanks uh, for good morning. Me. It's an early morning for you, I'm sure, but I'm glad you're on because a lot of ground to cover. Um, and I'm sure you're going to tell me uh, that a lot, you feel a lot of these rule changes that are being proposed are long overdue. And friends, yep. we'll take your calls as well at one eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Let's start with the transfer rule, which is already happening due to the pandemic. In short, college athletes who traditionally had to sit out a year when they transferred from one D1 school to another Division one school can now play right away. And they currently get an extra year of eligibility. Is that is that correct, Noah? Yeah, that's correct. And you know, one of the biggest things that you learn when you're a youngster being recruited is, wait a second, I get offered a scholarship. You're telling me this isn't a four-year scholarship. You're telling me that there's it's a one-year scholarship. And every year, Rick, we've talked about how often we see transfers at the D1 level. Yep. And a lot of that is disgruntled players. I'm not getting enough playing time. I'm not getting enough shots. I don't like my teammates, whatever it might be. But on the other end of that are coaches saying, you know what, Rick, we really thought you were a high major player, but it's not really working out, so you should look at your other options. And we've seen over the last 10 years as the NCAA has uh, started to track this stuff that transfers have gone up and up and up. But it's always you know, portrayed in the media that maybe this is all the players driving that. But coaches drive transfers as well. And I think that we're going to head in a direction where there won't be a year sitting out of competition for transfers because we already see it with the large number of grad transfers already completed their studies. And quite frankly, a coach doesn't have to sit out a year if they get a new job. So it really isn't fair to the players. Yeah, I you know I know your colleague uh, Jay Billis uh, says about the fact that the uh, when it comes to transfers, uh, if, if a regular college student uh, who doesn't play sports, uh, well, they want to transfer from one college to the next for whatever reason, they don't have to sit out a year uh, before they can go to classes. Coaches uh, who jump to other colleges for better jobs, they don't have to sit out a year from coaching. So why do the athletes have to basically sacrifice a year by sitting out? And that's that's something that has been around for a long time. It's been you know in place for certainly back when I was in college, Noah. But you know this is this is coming under a lot of scrutiny now. And and to your point, the, the athletes are sort of saying this doesn't make any sense. Well, why should I have to do this? Yeah, I mean there is an argument to be made that you're transferring. You can get accustomed to the classes. You can get accustomed to your social life. And a lot of transfers say that that was their best year of college in terms of their academic performance, getting used to the team. You know, there's a reason why back in the day, freshmen weren't allowed to play varsity sports because you've got to adjust to college life, get your bearings. But the bottom line is once the NCAA and colleges realized how profitable it can be to have a four-year player or a player play right away, we know that freshmen not only play right away but are some of the biggest stars in college sports. So I think it's time that we kind of move on from the idea that athletes need to sit out when normal students don't. And that takes us right into normal students, quote-unquote non-student athletes, can profit from their own likeness, can have their own brand on social media, can be Instagram influencers. So where the NCAA has always been 
no special benefits to athletes, now it almost seems like it's going the other way where athletes are held back from doing the same things as, quote-unquote, you know, non-athlete students. Well, before we get into the whole thing about endorsement deals, uh, and again, and we're talking about these, these uh, proposed changes to the NCAA, and this is going to go in front of Congress uh, sometime in 2021. Uh, and, and again, I, I gather the reason why that's happening is because the NCAA wants Congress's blessing on this. Um, that's another curious question as well. Why do they need the Congress to do this? But before we get to that, Noah, just yep. on this transfer stuff, if kids can now transfer you know, right away and play right away. Although I should point out part of the, uh, the stipulation is that they can't, they can't uh, uh, transfer from one college to another during the current, you know, let's say the season they're playing. So if they're a basketball player, they can't transfer in the middle of the season and play right away someplace else. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And they can't transfer 45 days before the season begins. But the endorsement stuff, uh, you know, now look, I, I know that you personally uh, were involved and benefited from that uh, a few years ago, the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit against the NCAA, uh, against EA Sports, when they used uh, a lot of players' likeness without compensation. Um, yeah. Talk about that and, and why, because that, w- that was something that personally affected you as a player at Princeton. Talk about that and why what's happening now with uh, expanding the, uh, the parameters. Yeah, well, I think what we're seeing, Rick, is as social media has risen to the forefront of American society and technology, you know, the Ed O'Bannon case came about because Ed O'Bannon's cousin said, isn't it crazy how you're on the cover of this video game and you're in the star and I can play as you and you didn't receive any checks from it? And Ed O'Bannon said, yeah, that is pretty crazy. So he brought a lawsuit. Anybody who was featured in the game actually received a check. You got a little letter in the mail. You checked off the years you played and then, you know, I got a check for like $1,800, which I never would have got unless Ed O'Bannon brought that case. But now in the era of Instagram, for example, Rick, if you're a, let's say you're just a student at large at Ohio State University, and you're a pretty good weightlifter, and you get a big following because you've got a great athletic body, and you want to post workouts, you can actually get ads on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. You can pay endorse products. But let's say you're a football player who's got a great body and you want to post fitness tips. You're not allowed to do the same ads as a normal student. So the way that advertising social media and basically technology has has pushed individuals to the front rather than institutions, the next logical step is if you're a big-time star, why can't you benefit off your name, image, and likeness? And that's a, a separate issue that's come to the forefront as well recently. You know, it's all based, all this stuff is predicated on the idea that college athletes traditionally, and that's the key phrase here, is that they're amateurs. They are amateur athletes. But all this now is, as you said, as things have changed uh, just in terms of the times, social media, uh, regular students are able to make money, uh, you know, promoting whatever they might want to do in terms of Instagram, whatever. And now the athletes are saying, wait a minute, why are we being held back on this? Uh, and, of course, there's been the age-old debate about if you're on college scholarship, uh, that you are, in fact, you know, an employee of the university. You just, you just basically, instead of getting a, a, a check every two weeks, you're getting a, a full scholarship. Um, but this goes, this, these changes go farther than this. Just that, you know, would you be able to sign endorsement deals? Uh, but you could actually sign um, 
you know, uh, let's, let's go back to basketball for a second, because obviously, you know, basketball and sneakers are a big deal. Uh, you could basically, under this new proposed legislation, a kid could come up, let's say, on a, on a, on a high school or I should say a, a travel team, an AAU team, and maybe they're, they're always wearing um, Adidas sneakers. And they go to a college that has Nike as its main uh, backer. Well, under this legislation, the kid could still continue to wear Adidas sneakers instead of having to adhere to the college's uh, deal with Nike. Is that is that how you understand this? Well, there's two proposals, right? The, the, the name image likeness proposal from the NCAA specifically stipulates that the, quote, the, the endorsements that the individual players could have can't conflict with the school's endorsement. So, for example, you go to Duke. It's a Nike school. Yep. Duke has a Nike contract. Coach K has a Nike contract. If you're going there as a big-time recruit, big enough to get a shoe deal, you probably couldn't wear an Adidas sneaker and go to a Nike school. But could you have your own individual Adidas deal as a player and then go to a place like Louisville, for example, that is an Adidas school? The answer is probably. And, you know, the, the low-end estimates we're getting – as we look forward to name, image, and likeness becoming a reality, you know, we're looking at six figures and we're looking at seven-figure potential endorsement deals for stars coming out of high school. This is a, a brave new world. We're talking with Noah Savage of ESPN about these uh, laws that are being uh, going to be presented to Congress in a few months uh, to change the NCAA. I also want to point out, Noah, uh, that uh, – that there are there is a stipulation as part of this package that uh, individual state governments could create laws that prohibit college athletes from endorsing companies in certain industries. And I'm talking specifically about gambling or uh, endorsing illicit substances, stuff like that. Yep. Uh, because obviously that would not be in the in the best interest of the college to have a have one of their players involving something involving uh, a gambling op- operation. Um, but beyond that, there aren't too many other restrictions they would be able to impose. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, we're, we're going to head in this direction, and then the question is going to be, what are we even doing here, right? If you're a star athlete, how much time are you spending on your Instagram and your money versus how much time are you spending with the team and the actual game? And, you know, what, what we're in danger of is potentially just losing the charm of college sports, which is the institution, the team, the tradition, uh, but but a couple other things in, in Cory Booker's bill that I really like that have nothing to do with money, uh, but, I, but I want to point out, Rick, is that, number one, there would be no backlash against student-athletes who wanted to take classes that conflicted with their athletics, which... I, I think we had a, we lost to Noah on, on this phone. Let me, in fact, it's a good time to take a break. We're talking with Noah Savage about all this proposed uh, changes to the NCAA. Let me take a time out. When we return with Noah Savage, and we'll take calls, of course, at one 337 Back here on the Sports Edge, we're talking this morning with Noah Savage of ESPN College Basketball. Uh, and we're talking about these uh, revolutionary new changes uh, that Congress is going to consider for passage in the new year. Um, and, and quite frankly, um, what this is all about is basically making college sports more and more of a business. It's as simple as that. And, and you know, it's, it's, um, we just covered transfer rules. 
uh, and endorsement changes. Uh, this, these are major, major changes. And again, these are not have not been placed into law yet, but we are now, uh, you know, we're, we're worried about, you know, from my perspective, about how much this is going to change and how much is going to change rapidly. Uh, it, it's it's really going to get into a whole different brave new world, as I call it, in terms of, uh, of, of um, you know, of, of, of the way our college athletes go on from high school to play sports. Um, is, is it a good thing? Yeah, I think it is because obviously we're keeping up with the times and trying to respect the rights of these college athletes and what they put into their careers, but it's just going to totally change the landscape as we know it traditionally. Um, and, and we're going to take your calls on this as well at one 337 6666 I understand we're having a few uh, technical issues uh, with Noah's phone line, but let, let's get to some of these calls because I know people have interest, uh, interesting things to say about this as well. Um, let's uh, let's start our conversation uh, this morning with uh, Tony from uh, from Delaware. Tony, good morning. You're on the fan. Yeah, good morning. Um, yeah, for me, I just don't uh, I just don't like the idea of uh, you know the government getting bigger and now they're in the college athletics. Right. So if you you know if you don't teach a, a course that uh, you know they want you to teach, then they're going to restrict your you know your school or something like that. You know maybe even have a have a grudge against you know schools like say like Liberty University like where in the heck is the government's role in college athletics and you know it's it's absolutely ridiculous litigate in court and 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 make the NCAA do whatever you need done but there's no reason we need a fifty dollar yeah I think we lost Tony but we got. Yeah, I, I get your drift uh, on this, Tony. Thank you for the call. No, this is curious as to why the NCAA would figure they have to go to Congress to get $50 million. Now, we yep. know the NCAA has been around a long time. Their major revenue source comes from uh, running March Madness, college basketball. We get all that. Why do you think they would have to go to Congress to do this as opposed to just saying, okay, we're just going to change ourselves. We don't need to get uh, you know, uh, uh, Congress involved in this. Why do you think they're doing that? Well, I think it's just become too big of a just obvious problem. And I think Senator Cory Booker, especially, you know, former college football player at Stanford, mm-hmm. you just look at the sheer amount of money and you just can't have, there's 50 college coaches making over a million dollars right now. Mm-hmm. And you can't have the stars of the game making zero. So the, the inequity that's that's been produced by the insane amount of, television dollars especially for march madness it just had to be addressed by somebody and the ncaa had a chance to do it for a long time and they really have done a bad job of it well maybe that's the reason why too maybe they feel like well we've been we've been sort of uh you know criticized so severely in recent years for not doing the this the right way maybe they feel and this is why cory booker and, and richard blumenthal from connecticut are proposing these changes to Congress to say, look, you guys run this. You set up this this uh, panel uh, of nine yeah. experts to oversee all this, uh, because clearly the NCAA hasn't been able to figure this out. I mean, it, this is this, by the way, was driven by the president of the NCAA, Mark Emmert. He's the one that said, yes, let's do this. Let's get Congress involved to make these changes. But again, there are so many changes, and it's as you say, it is a huge, huge undertaking. Um, yeah, it's going to be. And they need an be, exemption, Rick. The other thing is they need an exemption because. The student-athlete bill that Cory Booker proposed, it conspicuously leaves out the word employee. 
So that's why they need the government to, to define this differently so that you don't have to deal with all the things you have to with employees. This needs to be a special definition for student athletes. Before we get to our callers, uh, I just want to quickly, as I, we touched the base about transfer rules and endorsement changes, uh, revenue sharing. I mean, this is kind of curious. I don't really understand how this would work, but basically they're saying in effect that if a, if a program, let's say it's football, if they, uh, the monies, if they, if they earn more money in a college that, that pays, uh, uh, you know, to take cover all the athletic scholarships, then that when all the money is then dip, can be divvied up at the end and will go back to the actual student athletes. I'm not sure how that would work because for most college programs, especially at the D1 level, it's football and basketball. Their revenue from TV in particular, which basically uh, underwrites the cost of all the other non-revenue sports in college. So I'm not sure how this would work. But again, they're talking about some sort of revenue sharing plan. They've talked about the fact that athletes in college can now hire agents or join groups that would help them secure uh, licensing fees. I mean, this this is really... This is no longer amateur athletics anymore, Noah. This this is really about, uh, about business of sports. Yeah, and just to give you an idea, they did an estimate of how that would work out. And a star like Luca Garza at Iowa, his estimated paycheck this year would be $115,000. And Trevor Lawrence, star quarterback of Clemson, they estimated his his check this year would be $173,000. From I'm not, and that seems like an absurd amount, right, Rick? But yeah, then but you where, remember, where is, where, where, how are you getting these numbers? What, what are these numbers from? What are these estimates from? From potential These endorsements? numbers are from the Department of Education, using data from the Department of Education. Yeah. And this is right out of Cory Booker's bill. Yeah. So they're saying, how are you going to do it? We're going to use these numbers. We're going to divvy up what the profit is. And again, that seems like a lot of money until you compare it to the coaches' salaries. Yes, got I understand. four assistants at Ohio State making over a million dollars that are assistant coaches. Yes, I understand. Okay. When agents, um, you know, again, as I mentioned, this would be interesting as this works because that means every athlete (laughs) would have an agent when they go to play at Ohio State or play basketball at the University of Iowa or any other place that that plays uh, big-time sports. Uh, that seems unusual. That seems to be uh, a bit uh, unwieldy. Um, we mentioned early on about the fact that, uh, you know, the scholarships, no more year-to-year athletic scholarships uh, under this bill. Uh, you would basically, uh, if you get a scholarship to a college to play sports, you're covered as long as you maintain a 2.2 grade point average, uh, regardless of, um, of your playing time or whether the coach likes you or not, you get your full scholarship as long as you're there. That's, that's actually, I think, a pretty good idea. Yeah. Um, it's it just, I'm telling you, it's just a lot of stuff here. All right, let me, let's take some calls here, uh, Noah, because a lot of, lot of stuff here to digest. Uh, I do think this is going to happen and happen relatively soon. And maybe not all these things are going to pass, but there's going to be a, a lot of discussion upon this as we get into the next year. Let's go to our friend Jack Smithlin over in Fairlawn, New Jersey. Hey, good morning, Jack. What do you make of all this? <laughs> what do I make of all this? Well, first of all, um, you know, you talk about youth sports being the wild, wild west. Well, you just opened up another corral gate here because <laughs> this, this is going to be another wild, wild west. There's so many things that I agree with and, and a lot of things that I disagree with the way it's run now. I mean, last year when I was coaching, when I took the job at Montclair State University um, coaching job, I had to uh, take an NCAA test. Okay. Yep. And this book was about 300 pages. And 
section by section, recruiting and what you can say and what you can practice with and who's allowed to practice with it. I mean, I have a better chance of passing the bar. No disrespect, Noah, but I'd have a better chance of passing the bar than I would this NCAA test on my first try. And I didn't. I didn't pass it on my first try. It took me two chances. And it was crazy. You know, rules, different rules for Division threes transferring to one and one division going to three. It's completely outrageous. You know, and when you talk about the new things happening, like you said, Rick, and I feel the same thing that you feel, you know, there's a lot of good things that could happen from this. But there's also a lot of bad things that can happen. You know, you might get into the old New York Yankee syndrome. The richer schools are going to offer more money, per se, to athletes, and they're going to try to get to these schools and the lower schools, you know, the, the, you know, the, the Cleveland Indians and the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks and schools and, you know, teams like that aren't going to be able to get the players, you know, per se, as the colleges. Well, you know, it's, it, it's a, and Noah, I have a question yeah. for you real quick. Did you play with a guy named Lipwich, Brian, or no. Billy? No. no, I think I'm a little younger than that. Uh, okay, I'm glad about but, that. But, but to address uh, your yeah. other point, Real quick, to address another point, the, the haves and the have-nots already exist. And the best right. players in the country, the very best, they go to Kentucky, they go to Duke, yep. they go to UNC. The budgets are, you can't compete. If you're, if you're at Appalachian State, you're not going to be able to get those type of guys anyway. So a lot of the money exactly. stuff already is there. You're just bringing it above board. The question I'm going to have okay. is that it's going to be so much uh, so much to – is going to depend upon each school having a very, to Jack's point, a terrific compliance officer who does understand all these changes and reads the, the, the volumes uh, of legislation that has to be followed uh, so they don't run afoul of making mistakes. It's going to be a massive, massive undertaking, and uh, I think that's one of the major complications because, you know, uh, Noah, just you and I discussing all this, this is complicated stuff, and it, it, it is just uh, – it changes everything. It just basically is basically taking traditional amateur college athletes who get a scholarship. They never see any actual cash. They just actually just get their, their, their tuition room and board paid. But they're making them into basically professional athletes at a very young age. It's going to be unbelievably difficult to, to map all this out. Jack, thank you for the call. Uh, Noah, that, this, is, this is unbelievable. I mean, this is really going to change dramatic stuff. Yeah, I, I think it will change certain things, but the, the number one change that they're going to go forward with first, as we mentioned, is the name image likeness change. So the stars, the absolute stars, the guys like Tim Tebow, Johnny Manziel, Kevin Durant, the, the Zion, guys like that will get massive endorsement deals. So in a way, they'll be taken care of. So, so they'll, they'll be, that, that market will take care of itself. And for the rest of the athletes, a lot of these changes have nothing to do with money. And will benefit them as well, like having health insurance and they're covered for five years after school, um, having an athletic trainer that's part of the medical staff and not part of the athletic department is a, is a proposed change. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this in this bill that goes beyond just paying players. Now, I, I didn't mention that I'm glad you brought up the medical care, uh, that there would be a, a, a medical trust fund 
to cover the cost of uh, medical care for, for any athlete and injuries that they he or she has suffered. Uh, and it would last not just during their college career, but for five years after their career ends. That's a good thing. Uh, you know, but, but again, let's go back for a second to like a Trevor Lawrence, obviously the star quarterback at Clemson. So he's getting all these endorsement deals because he's Trevor Lawrence. He's the face of the Clemson football team. Uh, how does that work with a kid who's like a, an offensive guard or a tackle on Clemson who's kind of anonymous, really good player, to be sure, working just as hard as Trevor Lawrence's in practices and getting beat up protecting Trevor Lawrence? How is he going to like the fact that Trevor Lawrence is getting all this extra cash into his checking account where he's saying, hey, I'm not getting anything? I mean, is that going to be incumbent well, on Trevor Lawrence? They'll get say, more uh, than – They'll get more than nothing because they're going to allow pooled representation fee, right? For example, so if you're in a you're in a video game, you're going to get a check as a lineman. You're going to get some of the revenue sharing because you're on the team. But the really big seven-figure and six-figure deals with independent companies, you probably won't get as a lineman. But you know what? This this inequity already exists. You already have star players in college who get a lot more. Yeah, but they don't. They don't, they don't get paid. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is not getting an endorsement deal while he's in college. That's right. But you know what? It's 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 just something you're going to have to deal with in your life, and you're going to deal with it sooner. Some guys are going to make more money than other guys. <laughs> you know, I, it's going to become I, a professional sport. I'm not trying to be cynical here, but I have to wonder about the fact that hey, we're all here. We're all working hard. We're all members of the same team. We're all working towards the same goal. Although some of you guys are a little more, uh, how should we say, um, favorite than some of the other teammates here. Because, I mean, it's just it just seems odd. It just seems bizarre. Now, you can say that's how the real world works. And obviously, when their college career is over and they go on to play in the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball, well, that's, that's how it goes. But while they're actually playing, it just seems that's going to be a little difficult for coaches to maintain a sense of... of yeah, but Rick, uh, don't you think they look at the head coach and go... Hey, you're a millionaire, and I'm the one on the court. So doesn't that already happen in terms of the players and the coaches? So yeah, now it's just going to happen with the star player. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. All right, let me, let me take a time out here. We're talking with Noah Savage of ESPN. We're talking about these changes that are going to be bounced around. And, and friends, you haven't heard much about these. Uh, I don't. It's not been particularly well publicized, but they are going to go in front of Congress uh, at sometime uh, in the spring. Uh, and this bill proposed uh, by Cory Booker and, and by Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut. Uh, it's going to be curious to see how this uh, how this all plays out. One eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Sports Radio Hey, friends, don't forget, you can always go to uh, my website, AskCoachWolf.com, where you can find all sorts of resources and, uh, and books and articles about the topics we discuss here on the Sports Edge. You can also follow me on Twitter at hashtag AskCoachWolf. Uh, a quick reminder that uh, now that we are definitely in the cold winter months, you might want to pick up a copy of Secrets of Sports Psychology Revealed to help your athlete uh, prepare their own mental approach uh, to their individual sport. Uh, and just a really quick update on uh, Keontae Johnson. Now, last week's show, we talked in depth with Dr. Franklin Zimmerman, uh, the noted cardiologist, about the risk of myocarditis in a college athlete who has had COVID. No official word has come forth from the University of Florida or from Johnson's family about what was the cause of his collapse on the basketball court. But 
This past week, a local newspaper in Gainesville, Florida, did report that uh, Johnson does have myocarditis, um, and and that is disturbing. Uh, a lot of questions. If that's in fact true, uh, the immediate reaction has been why, is why hasn't this been revealed, uh, especially as it applies to uh, other college athletes. Uh, we see these numbers: thousands and thousands of college athletes uh, have had COVID, and uh, you know there are concerns. Myocarditis is a serious inflammation of the heart muscle. Um, now we're talking with Noah Savage of ESPN. Noah, you you obviously uh, played college basketball. You're a big guy. You're six seven. Uh, you cover college hoops for ESPN. This whole situation with uh, with Johnson has to be more than a little bit alarming, uh, not only to you but obviously the basketball fans and the parents everywhere. Yeah, and you know, anytime that there's benefit in terms of not releasing this information. You know, you, you have to be a little bit skeptical. And if you saw the clip of Keontae Johnson falling over, I mean, he's completely unconscious before he hit the ground. It's one of the most disturbing things you've ever seen. And his teammates were upset. The other team was upset, Florida State. They discussed canceling that game. Um, but it just appears that the, the risk tolerance for college sports, both the governing bodies, the players, and the coaches, is – they're doing their best to, to keep it quote unquote safe. But in, in my opinion, if this is linked to COVID, I mean, that should be it for this season. It is obviously all these issues are, are, are swirling about. Uh, yes, we fully, we fully respect the, the privacy of, of, of Johnson and his family. Uh, it, it's, it's his prerogative uh, to, to, to reveal what he wants to reveal. But again, it is known they did have COVID over the summer, as a number of his teammates did. Uh, this is alarming. And uh, yeah, it all sort of ties back into this guy is considered to be a potential first-round draft choice. Uh, you know, is this a concern in terms of his own career? Obviously, that is. How about the University of Florida and the SEC? Uh, does this mean they shut down the basketball, the rest of the basketball season? I mean, we always saw the Duke shut down its women's basketball program. Uh, Coach K has also questioned why are we doing this? I mean, there's a lot of things going on here, and it all sort of ties back into the topic we're discussing right now about, you know, the fact is, that there's going to be this legislation in front of Congress to sort of really change the NCAA. Yeah, I'm here. Noah, did we lose you? Yeah, I'm back now. Oh, there you go. Okay. So, so tell me, tell me your thoughts about about you hear what I said before about how this is going to change with all this. No. Oh. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's take some calls here, okay? Because obviously we're having some unusual uh, technical difficulties this morning. But let's let's go to uh, let's go to Ed Ward over in Jersey. Ed, good morning. You're next. Good morning. Happy New Year to all of you. Happy New Year. Hello. Ed, you there? Go yeah. ahead. Yeah, this is just getting out of control totally. Um, ways of making money for these kids. Um, you know, can you imagine? Uh, John Calipari before a game, and all of a sudden the player's agent's got a call because he's upset. Maybe he's not getting the ball enough. <laughs> I mean, this is how crazy it's getting. You, you're, you're entitled now to have an agent? This is ridiculous. Why can't we just keep the amateur status? And not only that, if you, I, I, if they want to pay the players, give, give them the stipend that's already been or, already been planned in the past, but it was never went through. Yeah. 
That, that's a good question, uh, Ed. Thank you for for bringing that forth. Have uh, a good day, everyone. Th- thanks, Ed. No, you, what you about know what I that? say to that, Rick? Yeah, here's, go here's ahead. What I say, here's what I say to that. Go ahead. Let's imagine you went to a concert to see Bruce Springsteen play. Yeah. And the the audio technicians got paid, and the security guards, and the manager of the band, but Bruce didn't make any money, even though he sold all those tickets, and the the person who came to watch on stage got no money. I mean, Louisville basketball a couple of years ago made $45 million and they paid Rick Pitino between six and $8 million. Mm-hmm. So to give a small stipend of 5,000 a semester, 10,000, it really doesn't even scratch the surface of the revenue that's being created by these players. So the, the bottom line is it feels a little weird. It feels a little awkward, but think about when Olympians first started getting major endorsement deals I was like, wait a second, aren't these aren't these guys amateurs? They get a big deal from Nike, they get a big deal from Wheaties, and all of a sudden they're making money, and we still enjoy the Olympics. All right, but let's go back to Ed's question, and I'll come. I'll address your issue in a second. But like as Ed just said, suppose every kid on the team on the basketball team has an agent, and the kid's yeah. not getting enough playing time, which is happening. You know, we, we this happens routinely in basketball, routinely. Sure, sure. So is the agent going to be calling up the coach saying, "My kid's not getting enough playing time"? I mean, it's probably already happening. It's just but does it come from comes from yeah the uncles father, or the parents? But now it's going well, it from agents. It could be an AAU coach. Huh? It could be an AAU coach. It could be what's known as a street agent. I mean, there's already handlers around a, a ton of these players. Yep. So whether they're they're getting paid by the school or by a shoe contract, the bottom line is that at some some point, that what's important is still important, right? What's your fit with the team? How good are you as a player? What's your education? Those things will all still matter. And the fact that there's money involved or not, I mean, there's already a huge amount of money because if you're not playing and you're supposed to be a first-round draft pick, somebody's going to be calling that coach and going, wait a second, this is not what we talked about. So that bends to the kid to saying, okay, the agent says, all right, well, you can't give him more playing time, then he's going to be looking to go someplace else and transfer out. Which already already happens, Rick. Yeah, I, well – the numbers, I mean, I, I, I know the numbers are staggering because every time you listen to a game, when I listen to you broadcast a game, Noah, you know, this kid played last year at this school. He played, I mean, it's like, it's like the kids change colleges like, uh, like they change their clothes. It's, it's extraordinary how they move around so much. It, 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 yeah, it, and, and you know what, Rick, that, that gets a bad rap. But from the player's perspective, you know, that's going to have a ripple effect of coaches will treat their players better. Because now there's a chance that they're going to leave, and there's not that scarlet letter. Like, even 15 years ago, if you transferred, you were looked at as a damaged good. Yep. Now there's not that stigma with transferring. Well, that's an interesting perspective, because you said there was always that stigma. Well, it was always the athlete who was the suspect. Well, obviously, he's just a, a selfish kid. He didn't, he didn't understand the team concept, didn't get along with the coach. That's how they were perceived in the past. But it's not that way anymore. Kids, you say, bounce around from one to another school to try to get, quite frankly, my sense, better playing time. So uh, it, it's 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 just again a whole brave new world. But I just want to quickly re- mention this: that this commission that this part will be appointed, this commission would have nine members with various uh, levels of expertise and background. Uh, at least five of them would have to be former athletes. Uh, no university or athletic department administrators will be allowed to serve on this so-called board uh, and, and so on and so forth. They will be ones who are obviously overseeing all the, the financial aspects of all this. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a massive, 
massive undertaking. As I said earlier, this sort of sounds similar in scope to a commissioner of youth sports. I would think if this new law about the NCAA gets passed uh, by Congress, it would definitely set the way for a commissioner of youth sports approach as well. But basically what we're talking about here, Noah, we're basically saying this is going to be um, we're taking college athletes, which is meant to be uh, a bastion of amateur athletics. Now mm-hmm. they're going to become basically uh, the minor leagues for all professional sports. That's what that's what sounds like to me it's going to happen. Yeah, and I think people my age and younger – are okay with that. And what you've gotten for, you know, almost over a century now is basically the greatest marketing machine of all time. When you talk about schools that the first thing you think about is their athletic team and you haven't been paying the players or even letting them go out and get paid by companies. So this is long overdue. It's where we're headed. And I can tell you that it's not going to look that different. The, the product on the court or on the field or on the diamond is going to look the same. Star players are going to go to the big money schools, just like they always have. Yep. There'll be exceptions, but it's not going to be that different. Well, I think it will be different. I think it'll be dramatically different. Uh, I think you're being a little bit uh, naive about this uh, because this is this is going to be, a, as I said, a, a total change. The athletes are going to be empowered to speak up. Uh, if they're not happy with the coach, the coach or their playing time or whatever, how they're being treated, they're going to basically say, well, I have to have a, we have to have a meeting. The coaches are going to be it's hard enough, as you know, to try to coach a team and, and to, to run a program when you're always being constantly uh, being called into meetings with your players or players' agents to talk about their playing time or, or whatever it might be. That That's very time-consuming. As far as the concerns regarding some of the star players get all the attention and they will get a lot of revenue, uh, whereas the, the other guys on the team, uh, that's, that's not good for team morale. I would think that'd be difficult uh, to sort of somehow make it sound like, well, we all have to you know work hard, work uh, together as a unit uh, in unified uh, passion but this one guy's the star. The star's getting all the attention and all the money. That's going to be tough. I just think that's going to be hard. Human Rick, nature doesn't necessarily. Rick, if you played on Duke two years ago with yeah. Zion, yeah. and Zion's putting his head on the rim, and he's number one at Sports Center every single night, could you in your right mind say you were worth the same money as Zion, who was the biggest star probably in all of basketball that season? I mean, he was, he, he was such a, a, a giant. And if he had a million-dollar shoe deal with Nike that season – me, you, and the other fans of college basketball, we would have enjoyed him just as much. <laughs> oh, my goodness, no. Well, uh, it's going to be curious to see how all this begins to play out uh, when it gets to Congress because this is going to be a lot of discussion. Everything from, well, the transfer rule, that's been happening, and as you said, it's become pretty much a standard operating procedure. The endorsement deals, Again, there is obviously a legal precedent with the Ed O'Bannon lawsuit, uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but I'm telling you, revenue sharing, agents, the medical care, uh, the education, that's all good and long overdue. Uh, having a, uh, a con- congressional board to oversee all this, that's interesting. Uh, I guess this sort of begins to spell the end of the NCAA. I mean, if they're going to hand us over to a, a special board, uh, which was overseen by Congress, I don't think the NCAA is going to have much uh, use anymore. They're not, why, why would we need the NCAA? Yeah, I guess just to create as a level of a playing field as you can, but you know, like I've already pointed out, there's already haves and have nots in college sports. And yep. you can't tell me if you go to an Alabama football game, 
that it doesn't have a pro feel. You know, you can't tell me if you go to play at Cameron Indoor or you go to play anywhere in the ACC, the Big Ten. These are pro arenas. It's the reason as a kid you want to go there and play is it has a pro feel. It's got the jumbotron. They dim the lights. They'll bring a, you know, we played Wake Forest when I was in college. They brought a motorcycle on the court. <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't feel like amateur athletics. You go, wow, people are playing money to be uh, in the seats. Well, Noah, this is obviously, uh, again, a fascinating subject, uh, and, and I thank you for getting up early this morning to cover some of the the, uh, the various highlights of this. Noah Savage of ESPN, my thanks again, and of course, we'll talk again real soon. That's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Ed Arzuman. The NFL preview is up next. I'll see you next Sunday right here on the Sports Edge. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.